Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Saturday, September the 30th. And welcome to our Saturday Bits and Pieces of the Week. We always like to go back and give you a little bits and pieces of some of the interviews that we had last week. Uh, We spoke with George Rodriguez, South Texas conservative. Uh, We talked about Texas with him. We spoke with uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda, talked a little politics with him. And, of course, we talked with Rick Moran, uh, one of the editors over at PJ Media, an old, old friend of mine. I mean, I've known Rick, my goodness, going back to the Bush administration, the second Bush administration. So that kind of tells you a little bit of how far back uh, we go. So we're going to give you bits and pieces of these interviews. The whole interview itself, uh, you can go back and listen to the whole interview in the archives, uh, either on Blog Talk Radio uh, on YouTube, if, if that's how you watch us, or on on my blog where I put all of these uh, interviews in a summary, on a summary type uh, format. So sit back and enjoy this. By the way, I have a post over at the American Thinker today, uh, Saturday, September the 30th, talking about this violence on the border, and particularly violence against women. Now, they've had a problem with violence against women in Mexico for some time. This is not unique uh, to the Mexican political arena, but definitely on the border, the violence against women, it's, it's, it's absolutely sick. And I relate the article uh, or link to, the, to an article over at Reuters, uh, one of the many, many examples, I mean, this is just one that they wrote about, where a young woman was basically told, you got to get on the phone and get your family to send us another $2,000 Either she didn't have the money or didn't follow the instructions, so they raped her. And other women were also raped. And this is happening on the border. And it's happening on the border because lawlessness has basically taken over the U.S.-Mexico border. It's a question of lawlessness. It's no longer a question of immigration or asylum. Those, those are not even the topics anymore. The question right now is that you've got chaos and disorder and lawlessness Uh, on the border. And when that happens, of course, there will be victims. And unfortunately, women uh, are obviously very likely to be raped or mishandled or mistreated by these uh, criminal elements. So a terrible situation, that's all you can say, on the border. And one that I hope, I hope gets a little bit more attention. You know, I always find it amusing. They interview these Democrats and they say, oh, the border is secure. Well, either they're lying or well, I don't know. They have to be lying because they, they can see for their own eyes, with their own eyes, that it's not secure. I mean, Henry Cuellar, who's a Democrat here on the border, can tell you that the border is not secure. So we we got to take this topic more seriously on both sides of the border. And if for no other reason than to stop this lawlessness 
and criminality and brutality against women on the on the border. We're going to take a little break and we'll be back uh, with George Rodriguez, with Bill Katz and with uh, our friend uh, Rick Moran after this. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Sunday, September the 23rd. Uh, I promise that we will not talk about the Cowboys today. We're going to try to get around that. George, our good friend George Rodriguez, is always joining us for our Texas report. George, if you could describe the Cowboys game in five words. Maybe, I'll tell you what, I'll make it two words. I would say it stunk. How about you? <laughs> I'll say interceptions yes uh it's a shame but they lost uh they lost in uh arizona so a lot of it i mean everybody thought this game was going to be so easy and you know that's what always happens that's what always happens at this level professional level you think you're going to win and you forget that the other guys are professionals too you got it you know they may not be at the same level of experience or maybe even quality but they're professionals and, 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 on, and, you know, it goes to show that any team can win at any time. That's it. That's it. On, on any given Sunday, any team can, can put it together. Or one team can have a bad day, another team can have a great day. And it's the story well, of sports. In the case of the Cowboys, they were missing, they were missing several uh, right. offensive linemen, and that hurt. that hurt. That's right. Well, that hurt them. And then, of course, on the baseball side, the Rangers swept, and the Astros got swept. So... Hopefully, the Rangers and the Astros will run into each other sometime in October. I think they will. That's my prediction. I hope they do. Anyway, yeah. I think the Rangers should be okay, though. They, they, they've helped themselves a lot. Well, we've got a couple of some issues today that I want to get into. I want to talk about the Attorney General, uh, the, the acquittal of the Attorney General Paxton, Mayor Johnson becoming a Republican, Mayor of Dallas. Uh, these new TPS uh, visas, I guess they're called. I'm, I'm not sure if they're called visas, but work documents, whatever they are. Work, work permits. Yeah, work permits. And then, of course, uh, President Lopez Obrador. Let's begin with that one because that's fascinating to me. President Lopez Obrador of Mexico has is calling for a meeting very quickly with President Biden. Now, apparently, he's going to be up here, President Lopez Obrador is going to be up here in November, and he wants to visit with President Biden about the migration. There, I have a post coming out about this tomorrow. And what Mexico is saying, now get ready for this, George, because I think you've heard this before. Uh, they're saying that they don't have any more room. <laughs> have you heard that before? I have. And yeah. It seems to be coming from the same section. Yes. You know, the same people that are encouraging humanitarian resettlement, humanitarian services 
have suddenly become the, the people that claim that uh, there's no room at the end. Right. All of a sudden, there's no, there's no capacity. That's another word that they use. Uh, and all of a sudden, everybody's finding out that if you let a bunch of people come in in a crazy and disorderly and chaotic way, that you're going to find yourself in this exact situation. But, George, this could have been pre predicted. I mean, everybody knew that this was going to get out of hand. I mean, it's crazy, George. Well, you know, I mean, when, whenever you encourage and reward bad behavior, any kind of bad behavior, whether, mm -hmm. whether it's, it, it's uh, uh, the smash and run like you've got in California all over the place, whether it's uh, illegal immigration, whether it's excusing uh, a kid for misbehaving in school because uh, he doesn't know any better or he comes from a bad home, whenever you excuse and tolerate and justify bad behavior, you're going to get more of it. And that seems that that whole idea seems to be lost on, right. on liberals. Uh, you no, know, you're they, right. Yeah. You're right. What were they thinking if you encouraged and justified illegal immigration? You were going to get more. Right. I mean, you got to just flat say illegal immigration is illegal and we don't tolerate it. Right. And no, no, no. It's, you know, it's been one thing after another. It's been real well because it's from from the the uh, uh, the triple countries. Uh, the go the triangle countries. It's been because it's uh, they, it's from countries who are suffering this or suffering that. And there's always been an excuse. You know, we could just as easily help these countries in their home in, in their uh, these people in their home countries. But no, you know, we uh, we opened the, the the door and everybody came in. It's very interesting because I don't know if this is a coincidence. Maybe it is, but that President Lopez Obrador would call for this meeting. <laughs> with President Biden at about the same time. I'm not sure what time. they're going to say. What are they going to well, say? Well, that's it. What are they going to say to each other? Joe, you blew it. I mean, what is he going to say? Joe, you should have kept uh, the the Trump program in place. I wouldn't mind if he tells him that in private because wow. Lopez Obrador is not the most diplomatic man on, in the planet. But, exactly. But it's or interesting. He will say you're, you're going to keep. You're going to have to move him in quicker. I think that's what's going to happen. You're going to have to move him in quicker. Yeah, which of course Speed up we're already we're already overwhelmed. It is uh, by. But here's the interesting thing: the the Biden administration announced these TPS work permits or visas. Now TPS stands for I had it over here temporary. I, I had it here. I need to look it up again. It's temporary protected status. It is it a cannot uh, be deported. That's right. It's basically it's a piece of paper that says you cannot be deported exactly. while you are waiting, I guess, for your well, while you're doing whatever while you're in the whatever United. you're doing, either waiting for the judge or, or and, whatever. And that process, is. During that period, you're going to be able to get a work permit. Right. Which is and what you're exactly be... all of them are coming for. All of them are coming to work. Right. So you think it's going to slow it down? No. Well, that's the point. The Dallas Morning News. I just want to recommend everybody to check out the the lead editorial of the Dallas Morning News on Sunday, because that's exactly what they're saying. They're saying the new policy is not going to deter migrants. On the contrary, it's going to create more because exactly. the people who are on their way, they're going to bet that if they somehow can get in, that eventually they're going to get their own TPS. Exactly. So, so it's one of those things where we are encouraging more people to come. And, and I don't know where this is going to stop. But we know where it's going to stop. It's already tearing up cities like New York. 
Correct. Uh, the, the, I thought it was interesting. The governor of New York went on television, George, and said, you need to stay in your country and apply from your country. Well, <laughs> I remember when people used to call you a racist. For it seems like that. I've heard that someplace. Yes. We used to be called racist for suggesting that you stay in your country and apply for, for a visa. But this whole thing has gotten out of hand. And I was reading something, George. I don't know if you've seen this also. I was reading that, you know, you bring in that many people that quickly into the country, you're going to create all kinds of housing problems. Because, yeah. you know, we, we don't have, I mean, we're, we're a very rich country, I know. But we don't have housing to bring in six, seven million people at one time. Exactly. Nobody does. Nobody does. And, and especially and, right now, Silvio, uh, you know, I, I've got a friend of mine who is a, uh, uh, a builder, uh, in fact, two of them that are builders uh, at my church, and I was talking to him. It is not, first of all, uh, it, it is extremely expensive uh, to get uh, materials to build. Secondly, the, the uh, mortgage rates are extremely high. Uh, this is not the time, you know, to have a, a, a housing boom. It's completely the opposite. Right. So building anything is going to be very, very costly. And you know who's going to pick up the, the, the tab? We are, the taxpayer. Right. Well, Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, September the 25th. Like we like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. Lots to get into with Bill today, so let's begin. Hi, Bill. How are you? Reasonably well, Silvio. Reasonably well. We are still waiting and looking carefully outside for the monumental rainstorm that we were supposed to be getting. Um, I was already in my my emergency boat in my apartment, ready to float out. But we got. I think I saw three drops this morning. Um, I call these ever-ready storms, you know, yes. or energizer storms. Uh, a lot of batteries being sold, but the, the storm did hit parts of the Atlantic coast, but not here. And uh, I, th I think we've come through it all right. Well, Bill, I have to tell you that from a baseball perspective, there's a little history in New York this September. The Yankees were just eliminated, and the week before the Mets were eliminated. So it's going to be uh, – I mean, you have a lot of passionate fans, baseball fans in New York, as you know, with the Dodgers as sure. well. And there's going to be a lot of very – I mean, I don't know what they're going to do in October. There's no postseason – for the Yankee fans or the Mets fans, and uh, well, I don't know. I I, I don't know what they're going to do. It, it's unusual to think <laughs> of New York in no in no postseason baseball. Bill. Well, that's right. And remember, at one time we had three major league teams. We had the New York Giants, and yes, the, the so-called Subway Series was a New York phenomenon and a, a tradition. And one of the most interesting things about that tradition that people don't remember is that when the Dodgers played the Yankees, 
The Dodgers have the smallest field in the Major League, Zebits Field. The Yankees have the largest. So you went from the smallest to the largest. It was a completely different game. Absolutely different game. If you went, if you were there in person, I mean, and you watched the Dodgers and watched the center field, the Duke Snyder, you were practically up against him. I mean, you got, you got to know him very well in, in, in Yankee Stadium. And I did have the privilege of seeing uh, in my early years, Joe DiMaggio play in Yankee Stadium. He was a dot out in center field. You could barely see him. Very different game. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what made baseball exciting. Yes, and one quick baseball question, Bill, and you, you should know the answer to this. I, I'm sure you do. How far apart, how many miles was Ebbets Field from Yankee Stadium or from the Polo Grounds? It wasn't that far, was it? Not at all. Yankee Stadium was in the Bronx. Uh, uh, the uh, Ebbets Field was in Brooklyn. I don't recall the number of miles, but it couldn't have been more than seven. Okay. I mean, you could make the trip in a half an hour. Okay. And, so, and, and everyone went by subway anyway. Right, yeah, you because you have to cross a bridge, I believe, right, to, uh, the, to, yeah. to, to go to the Bronx, gonna, right? Uh, yes, you had, uh, was it the Triborough at that time? I don't know yeah. if it was built yet. Okay. Uh, yes, I think it was the Triborough. Yeah. I think, it's now, I think it's now called Ed Koch Bridge. Yes, I think so, I think so. Well, another quick anniversary built today, uh, 1789. That's an important year in American history. That was the year the president... Washington was inaugurated, 1789. The Bill of Rights were finally ratified by the states, so they became part of the of the Constitution, the first 10 amendments. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, that, that they came separate to the Constitution. They came oh, yes. in as amendments. Uh, and uh, it took, I guess, a, a few states to ratify that. But the whole thing was complete, I guess, once the Bill of Rights was... Uh, was in the Constitution Bill. I, I live about five blocks from the building in which New York ratified uh, the Bill of Rights. It's right here in White Plains, New York, which is a very famous colonial city, actually. And I don't think most people living in White Plains know it's here. But that's where, it, uh, that, that's where the New York State ratified. It's, it sent in its ratification. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's very historic. Uh, it, you know, that's another thing. New York was... Uh, was very much a part of, of the, of course, the 13 colonies, but a, a very strong participant in, in everything, the Constitution yes. and everything else. So there's a lot of history. That's one of the reasons I enjoy going to New York City, because there's a lot of history everywhere you turn, as well as a few wonderful churches. I did get a kick out of that, Bill. Yes, well, the, uh, New York is where uh, George Washington was inaugurated as the first president of the United States. Uh, the, there are some wonderful uh, churches in New York, especially Trinity Church down uh, in Lower Manhattan where Alexander Hamilton is buried and uh, some others. And there is right nearby is the place where Nathan Hale said, I'm sorry, I have but one life to give for my country and was executed. It, uh, New York has played a tremendous role in American history. That role has diminished over the years. And in fact, sure. I'm going to a meeting in a couple of weeks on just that subject on the decline of New York. And one of the reasons it was diminished is that the people who ran New York were very little interested in its participation with the rest of the country. They, there is that problem of New York uh, um, being very isolated. Uh, what is the term that is usually used? I've forgotten. But it seems to think it's not part of the country. It's kind of different from the country. It really isn't. It was at one time right. very much a part of the country. Absolutely. No, of course it was. It, it was... And for a lot of people who are not from the United States, Bill, they almost 
they think of New York City as the capital city. Of That's United right. States. And, it, and at one time, overseas. at one time it was the the Brooklyn Navy Yard, the New York Naval Shipyard, was the most important Navy Yard in the United States. And wow. you could sit on a bench on the East River and see some of the most famous ships built uh, going right past you, especially during World War II. I would go to wow. my, grand, my grandmother's house. You went over the Manhattan Bridge, you looked down and saw aircraft carriers being built. And it was mm. just, I mean, we were on the front lines in New York. And sadly, that is all gone. Well, I think some of the population shift has yes. probably had something to do with that. You know, at one time, um, you look back in some of these electoral college maps. Uh, you know, when FDR was elected in 1932, I think New York had twice as many electoral votes as Texas, for example. Oh, yes. Back then. I think uh, at, its, at its peak, I think it had 45 electoral votes. Yes, and today it, Texas has 40, and New York, I believe, uh, is around 30, I think, uh, or something. I, you know, something I don't like, even. I, I, yeah. I'm ashamed to say I don't know the number. But yeah, New but York, it's not 40. It's not no, 40. No, it's New less York. than New York. Or less than, than than Texas. Oh yes, New York is today an out migration state. Right. Uh, my, many more people are leaving than staying, and for good reason. It has lost so many of the features that made it great, and also it has enormously high income taxes and enormously high cost of living. So That's people, right. people are living, and they're actually finding out that there are other states in the country where real people live. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they read, they, they, they take baths, they, uh, they, they, they um, uh, eat. I mean, they do real things. They consume, yeah, in consume. these other countries. Well, it's just interesting, because the top three electoral college numbers today would be California, Texas, and Florida. That's right. And I guarantee you that was not the case in 32 when FDR was elected. I bet maybe California, but certainly not not Texas and Florida. At the time, they were Texas was way out, and I assume Florida was just the place people went in the wintertime, Bill. That's exactly right. Florida was the go-to place for New Yorkers. And I remember just as a little boy, we would get on the the East Coast Line or uh, or New York Central and go to Florida, and it was like a standard trip. Uh, and uh, that was it was seen basically as a place where uh, we had a lot of coconuts and a lot of hotels. And in fact, my first memory as a human being was sitting on the beach in Miami watching American troops do their calisthenics. They had wow. taken over many of the hotels. Because right. they didn't have enough barracks, and they were train on the beaches. Yes, interesting. It's fascinating how things change. Yeah. Well, let's get into some of the current events. Uh, let's begin with President Biden. Two new polls came out. One has him. This is the first one is Washington Post ABC, and this one has President Trump at 51 and President Biden at 42, so a nine-point lead for President uh, Trump. The other one has it at 46, 46, and that's NBC is the other one. So, you know, I sometimes it's hard to take these match match matchup numbers seriously this far in advance, but what what is fascinating about both and where they are very similar, these two polls, is the dissatisfaction with President yes. Biden. Dissatisfaction that I guess people feel every time they pump gasoline, every time they buy, buy food, every time they go out to lunch, or maybe every time they see what's happening on the border. What an absolute mess on the border, though. Well, a disgrace, and a disgrace to this country and to, to its history. Make, the point is being made now 
that it could fundamentally change the United States. I mean, just the sheer number of people coming in illegally uh, could, 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 could flip the electoral vote in many states because you can be sure they're going to states that are going to try to naturalize them as fast as possible. And I don't mean anything against these people. They're, they're, I mean, they're human beings. They deserve to be treated with dignity. But this is just no way to build the country. It really isn't. Here in New York, they were, they, I mean, they, they, these hypocrites who declared New York a, a sanctuary city and never considered what that would actually mean if the border was open. Well, we now know what it would mean. We do not have the spaces in New York to place large numbers of people. And the schools basically have been told to fend for themselves, that right. the teachers have not been given any instruction. We, we do not have the number of Spanish-speaking teachers that we need. These kids are going to school and can't understand a word, and the teachers can't understand them, and they're told, do the best you can. Right. And, and, Bill, the other thing, too, is, is you know, there, you have that many people coming in, Five million, whatever the number is, and do we have enough housing? No. For example, here here in the North Texas area where I live, North Texas, uh, we, we have our share of, of some of these people too, primarily Venezuela. And what they're finding out, what they're finding out is that the more people who come in, the more they drive up the rent. Because yes. they're, you know, we don't, we're already facing a, a, a shortage with all the people moving in from California. Now, the difference is the people moving in from California are generally buying homes. Yes. Whereas many of these migrants are renting apartments. But we're finding out that everything is going up like crazy when it comes to rent. Uh, you know, the, the, like you say, the schools. And I, I don't know, it, it offends me. It offends me as, a, as someone who came here as an immigrant with my parents. It offends me because, like, when I hear people call it immigration, this is not immigration. No, it's not. It's not immigration. This is... Uh, anything but immigration. Immigration is what my family went through, where you come in in an orderly way, you go through a process, you have to follow a certain number of rules, you come into the country, and then when you come into the country, you're in legally. You don't have to worry about papers or work permits or anything like that. You have them already because you've been accepted legally. But I, I see some crazy things. I, I see now the White House is coming out We'll get back to President Biden in a minute, but I just wanted to bring up work permits. The White House has just approved, I guess, 400,000 work permits. And the Dallas Morning News had an editorial on Sunday basically saying this is the worst thing they can do. All they're going to do is encourage more people to come in and wait for their work permits. Uh, I mean, it's just crazy what they're doing, Bill. It is, and then you wonder, especially if we have a recession, what happens to the American worker who is here legally uh, watching a foreign worker who is not here legally take his job uh, at a lower at a lower wage, uh, and I'm I'm afraid if that happens, there will really be an explosive result. Right. But the people in Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Thursday, September the 28th. And today we're going to check with our good friend, uh, Rick Moran of PJ Media. We always enjoy getting his thoughts on, on just about everything. So, hello, Rick. Welcome to the, the podcast today. It's always great to have you. Hello, Silvio. How are you doing? I see the Cubs are apparently going to get into the We're not talking cars. baseball. We're not talking baseball. Oh, because you don't want to talk about the White Sox? 
I don't want to talk about the Texas Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> well, we may be popping champagne tonight. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Okay. All right. Well, we'll okay. We'll we'll we'll. I want to get... talk about hockey. Connor right. Bedard, the seventeen-year-old yes. phenom, is get is get, is on the ice for the first time tonight in an exhibition game for the Blackhawks. Well, that's great. We wish him well. Where is oh, the young yeah. man from? Oh shoot, Alberta, I think. Oh, okay. So he's Canadian. Okay, he's Canadian. Oh yes. From the name, it sounded like the name he might be East, you know, from the old. Uh, one of the old uh, USSR countries. What's his name again? Connor Bedard. Oh, okay. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. That that sounds like somebody from Alberta. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. We'll, we'll leave it at that. And are you getting, are you pretty excited about the Blackhawks for this young man? No, I mean they're gonna they're, they might not even make the playoffs, but this kid is the real deal apparently. So we'll have to Gretzky like. But you know what they say about hockey? It's really hard not to make the playoffs. Yeah, and they and the Blackhawks tried very hard, and they succeeded last year. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that is the one thing that I, you know, the one thing I used to love about baseball was that it was only like four teams, and they went to five teams, and now they're, you know, there's basically six teams. Yeah, two I mean, cards. It, it's not a bad deal. Yeah. I, I think the, the way they do it now, it's not that bad, uh, but. With hockey and the NBA, I mean, everybody gets in. It's almost like the season doesn't matter. Yeah. And I, I just find that a little bit, uh, a little bit ridiculous. But, but anyway, it is what it is. I guess they do it because they want more meaningful games. I guess that's why they, they do well, it. Well, they have. They want... There are still like five National League teams in uh, in contention for the Wild. Right. I know. I just saw that. I, I saw that list, and it's pretty. It's pretty remarkable, you know, when San Diego still has a shot at it, at least numerically. I don't think they're realistically. But that, speaking of of baseball, that team in San Diego, that is, they're going to tear that team down from everything I I see. That is probably one of the biggest flops in Major League history, that team. They have such expectations. And, you know, I think they made a mistake uh, that sometimes teams make is that they get a bunch of superstars, but they don't have a team. And yeah. in order in order to succeed, I think you have to have a lot of guys. You know, you have five or six superstars, but you have a lot of other parts to the team. Not everybody can be a superstar, Rick. Yeah. And, yeah the Yankees uh, Yankees were the same way this year. I mean, right. they, they didn't even finish 500 first time in 30 years. I know. It's depressing being in New York these days because neither are the Mets in. And the Mets yeah. were probably even a bigger flop. Yeah. Than uh, than the, so. Yeah, I mean they start the the so-called post uh, wild card series next week. Right. And it's it's an interesting way the way they do it because what they have is there's a three game series in one park. So you, you like for example you're going to have to go in and beat uh, the the divisional winner in their park, and yeah. that's you know that's uh, that's kind of tough. Well, let's get into a little uh, a little politics. They had a debate last night. The GOP had a debate last night. I don't think it made that much of a difference, but obviously the big gorilla didn't show up, and that is Donald Trump. Yeah. And uh, do you think he's going to have to show up at some debate at some point here, Rick? Yes. Yeah, I think eventually. You know what? What's going to happen is his lead, his forty-point lead, is going to start dissipating. And he's going to be forced to debate. 
I, I don't think Republicans, they might like him, Trump, but only about really 30% of the, of the party. Uh, there's 70% of the party would love to see somebody else. Right. And, uh, of course, but there's just nobody, nobody yet has, has broken through, uh, and nobody broke through last night in the debate. I didn't watch it. I hate debates. I hate them. I hate them like I hate the spinach. <laughs> it just, it, they're just, they're a waste of time. They're not debates. They're Well, that's it. They're not really. Points. They're politicians standing up there spouting talking points. That's all. Well, since I remember being in my high school debate and college debate teams, I know what a debate is, and that wasn't a, <laughs> a debate. Maybe they should call them press conferences, because that is sort of what they are. Yeah. There are more press conferences, but I, I, I'm going to guess that DeSantis, Scott, and Vivek, whose last name I can never pronounce, yeah. uh, that those three are going to make it to Texas in March uh, when we have our big primary here. I think a lot of the others are, are just going to fade away. They just don't have the money to compete, uh, Ray. I think Nikki Haley has a shot Nikki, of yeah. being in right. that group. Uh, but the, the really, the really pressing question for Republicans is trying to get that field of what is it now seven, eight, ten, whatever, down to one or two. Right. Because that's the only way they're going to derail Trump. Well, it's, it's, it's 2016 all over again. I think. I, in fact, uh, I was trying when you were saying that. I I had a chat with you back uh, in 2016, and we both. At that time, I was not supporting Trump, and I had, I, you know, you and I, I think made the same point back then yeah. that uh, there were too many candidates, and he was winning, you know, these primaries with 30% of the vote, and or less, yeah, or less, yeah. And I think that you're right. I mean, if if, if it can be Trump DeSantis, then maybe maybe that he has a shot. The other thing too, Rick, that I that seems to go unnoticed in all this uh, debate analysis is that these national polls don't necessarily translate to New Hampshire or or to Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, he might be he might be forty points ahead in a national poll, but forty eight of those states are not going to participate in the first two in the not primary, but the caucus and then the the primary. So I, the lead may be not as big as. Uh, as, as it is right now. So we'll see. But I didn't think anybody really stood out. I was telling you off the air that this kind of reminded me when I took my sons to the zoo and they were really, really little. They were very little and we went to the zoo and they always wanted to see the monkeys, but the only monkey they wanted to see was the gorilla. <laughs> they didn't care about all the other monkeys running around, you know, hanging from one tree to another. They didn't care about that. Yeah. They just wanted to see the gorilla. And sometimes I get the feeling that's that's what happened last night, Rick. Yeah, Trump is uh, is the gorilla. I mean, there's <laughs> there's no getting around that. He's the he's the 400 pound gorilla, or the or the 2,000 pound elephant, or whatever you want to whatever metaphor you want to use. Or the white it's shark, the, you know, the big yeah. white shark, killer shark. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. I was I was thinking of maybe coming up with a better analogy than a. Or a better example than a gorilla, and um, you're right, elephant, maybe shark, but either way, it's big. Whatever animal it is, Trump is huge, yeah. And he made uh, 
And I think also, Rick, uh, I'd like to have your reaction to this. Uh, I think Chris Christie's act is getting a little boring. You know, these attacks on Trump. I, I, I like Chris Christie. I think, he, he, you know, he's a good guy. But I just think he's got to say something other than taking a shot at Trump. It's getting too, too boring. I yeah, think. He, he should realize by now that it doesn't hurt Trump one bit. Right. That's right. I mean, uh, and it doesn't it, help him either. <laughs> it doesn't help him. Uh, it's, it is kind of interesting. Trump is an interesting problem for a candidate to run against. Uh, because everything just slides off his, you know, off his shoulders. You, he, I think it was last year, last 2016, when he said, I could kill somebody in the middle of Central Park and nobody would say anything. He's, you know, he's probably close to the truth there, right. at least as far as the, the uh, you know, the Republicans who support him. That- 